The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. And welcome, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan, and you are watching CNBC and Fast Money, where stocks were on the rise today. The Dow finishing up nearly 500 points, and it was all on the back of energy. Energy had been taking the market down today. The complete opposite. The president saying that he spoke with Saudi Arabia and Russia, saying that they were talking about a 10 to 15 million barrel a day cut for oil production. That sent oil spiking more than 20 percent, one of its best days ever in the market. And that raised stocks altogether. Welcome, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan, and we have got a full hour for you here on Fast Money. All the traders will be joining us momentarily. But in the, to open the show, we've got to get some news that developed just moments ago, and that is the president invoking the Defense Production Act to encourage or force some American companies to make ventilators. Let's get more on that breaking news right now with Kayla Tausche in Washington, D.C. Kayla. Brian, President Trump has done this just a handful of times during the coronavirus crisis, but this afternoon he issued an order that targets six medical device companies to procure the elements and materials they need to, be, to expedite the production of ventilators and personal protective equipment. The companies include General Electric, Hillrom, Medtronic, ResMed, Royal Phillips, and Viare Medical, and it directs the Secretary of Health and Human Services to procure and deliver the materials from the supply chain so that they can can make things like ventilators and that personal protective equipment for uh, medical providers more quickly. Of course, we know that is in short supply in some of these hard hit states across the country as they grapple with growing numbers of sick patients. The White House so far has refrained from using the DPA as a blunt instrument. They have used it more as a scalpel, singling out specific companies to make these products as needed. Just last week, President Trump singled out General Motors and Ventec to try to expedite their production of ventilators. And of course, the companies are keeping the White House apprised of exactly how that progress is going. Democrats, though, say that the president should be doing more, that they, he should invoke this authority more broadly uh, across industries. The White House has not wanted to do that. President Trump has been critical of what he believes would be nationalizing these companies if he were to do that. The federal government has tapped its own stockpile of ventilators. Just about 10,000 are still on hand, Brian, as we are approaching peak virus here in the next couple of weeks. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, Kayla, but let's talk about timing if we can. I believe GE does already make a ventilator or at least close to it, so they might be earlier than most. Do we have any ideas to what the timing of this order to roll out to delivery of a ventilator may be? No, we don't. And the order didn't specify timing. We haven't been able to glean any details from the White House on timing, Brian. Uh, it is important to note, though, that this order specifically targets the supply chain and perhaps tries to remove some of the red tape in these companies' ability to procure the parts going into ventilators. We know from some of the previous companies that have been trying to make these ventilators, they say that it's going to take weeks, potentially months, to del deliver the volume that the White House has been seeking. Uh, but perhaps by... Uh, uh, identifying some of these items that go into the production, the White House can hasten the production of those. All right, Kayla Tausche with some important developments out of Washington, D.C. Kayla, thank you very much. All right, now let's bring our Fast Money team for this Thursday evening, and that is Guy Adami, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, and Karen Feinerman. Great to have you all here. Guy, I usually would ask you about the market and what had happened, but I think we need to focus to start the show on gold. You've been talking about gold for a long time. Gold was up nearly $50 an ounce today, and I have absolutely no idea why. Maybe you do. Well, I think you have an idea why, Brian. I mean, it's, it's because people are looking at the 
Our Federal Reserve, their balance sheet is just expanding at paces I don't think anybody could ever have imagined. I think people are realizing, you know what, gold wins in this environment. And this is not something we've been talking about for a week. This is something we've been talking about probably since last summer. So I think when the dust settles and, you know, you saw that sell off in gold over the last, you know, three or four weeks, people said, ah, this gold move is over. I think it's just getting started. So $50 today, Newmont Mining bouncing off sort of that 4142 level, the GDX, the GDX. Jay, all moving to the upside. You know, if you're looking for something that wins in this environment, and again, we've been steadfast with this, it's gold in the mining stocks, Brian, at least in my opinion. All right. Tim Seymour, what about the banks? Sort of an interesting move there. Did that give you a little measure of confidence or at least comfort today? What let us down yesterday seemed to have rebounded. Banks were near the top of that list. And, and, and the things that rallied today, uh, first of all, there are things that you need to see. Uh, gold, you just talked about. One of the reasons why gold can rally is because the liquidation around so many asset classes, including gold, remember when gold was selling off, has abated. Um, take it back to where volatility is. We're, we're within a whisper of a forehandle on the VIX. I may have just jinxed that. Um, but, but getting back to other asset classes, I'm not telling you market uh, action is healthy. Uh, I'm telling you that uh, you saw enough breadth uh, across today's rally where not only did you have some of the troubled industries, uh, you saw certain parts of retail that had been under a lot of duress, banks, uh, small caps, uh, transportation stocks. So you saw a pretty uh, evenly based rally, but you saw the continuation of that leadership from, you know, call it the triple Qs, call it the mega cap tech stocks, which at least for now, along with semiconductors, is, is part of this rebuilding of market confidence, even though there's a lot of folks, Dan talks about this, um, the narrowness of, of the rally of last year is something that people are concerned about. But in the short run, I'm constructive on that. Yeah, and Karen Feinerman, part of that big bank rally, or rally, I should say, move up, if you will, was, was J.P. Morgan. Stock up 4%, and your guy, Jamie Dimon, coming back maybe earlier than some people expected after heart surgery just a couple of weeks ago. That had to have played a role in that stock move today. Yeah, no question. I appreciate you referring to him as my guy. Um, He is the most seasoned and I think the most talented um, executive in in the financial world. So uh, it's very good to have him back at the helm. And I think that has to be part of the reason. And then I think I've heard people say, well, I'd love to see Jamie Dimon buy stock. That would really send us a message. Uh, I'd love to see that, too. My strong guess is that they are in a blackout period because they are less than two weeks away from earnings. So be curious to see when they come out the other side of earnings where the stock trades and whether he or other insiders would be buying stock. Yeah, if Jamie Dimon comes in and buys stock, that might be a signal to you as well. Steve Grasso, uh, I know gold has been a focus of yours as well today. Guy Dami touched on that. How big, though, was the role of oil today? Because, And here's why I ask, because everybody's been slamming oil for years, saying it's tiny, it doesn't mean anything to the market anymore, it's, you know, 4%. All of a sudden today, everybody said, oh, the move in oil is the reason stocks went up. Come on, can you have it both ways? Yeah, I think today was the uh, it was about 90 percent of the reason why the market rallied. So the S&P definitely tracked oil, didn't do it yesterday. It was inversely correlated. But I think there's a couple of things going on today. GDP uh, forecasts, even though they're worth nothing, don't seem to be as bad as we thought they were going to be. That's number one. Number two, you have oil has been the main reason as of late. Cyclicals are rallying. So you're looking at the banks, look at chemicals. Then you go back to what we had this week. We had a pension fund rebalance, but a lot of pension funds said, we're going to sit this one out. Today, there was $2 billion billion notional to buy on the close. That looks to me sneakily like the pension funds are trying to nibble away at the stocks right now. I don't think we're out of the woods. I think you have to look at some of the technical levels, which are 2475, 2350 on the way down. And on the way up is a little bit of a lid, 26.50 on the way up. Until we can cross one of those significantly, we are range bound. But Brian, out of the 55 clients that I cover on a daily basis, everyone thinks we're going to retest the lows and fail.
I think retest certainly has been at least the market word of the last week or two, certainly uh, Steve Grass. So guys, sit tight here. I want to bring in a special guest as well. Savita Subramanian, head of equity and quantitative strategy at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. And Savita, thank you very much for joining us. I know you're bringing down your S&P target today. We read the note. I guess, is there a point, and maybe you have to from a risk management or compliance perspective, is there a point at this point in even having a price target on the S&P 500? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a good question. I mean, I think that, you know, you can always assign a fair value to the market based on a, you know, a normalized earnings framework and, you know, a cost of capital assumption. But in times like this, it almost feels irrelevant and fundamentals seem to take a backseat to other factors. I think what we try to do with our forecast is incorporate, you know, a lot of different frameworks. So we have a fundamental read. We also have a sentiment read, which is actually the most bullish right now uh, in that everybody is freaked out and um, uncertain about the future, which is generally a good time to buy. Um, and then, you know, then we also have our fair value model, which says that earnings are cyclically peaked. You know, we are about to see the biggest recession in modern history. Um, you know, we're, it's going to take a couple of years to get back to the the, um, the earnings levels that we saw at the end of last year. So, so, you know, I think there are puts and takes, but all of that combined together, um, you know, to your point, I think point in time forecasts are a little bit silly, but I think what we're seeing right now is the idea that we get through this year. I agree with um, whoever said we're, we're likely to be in a range-bound market, but I think what what I'm looking at that seems really encouraging is that once we get past 2020, if you think about what's going to happen this year, I think it's going to be a bad year for earnings. We have a 30% drop in earnings forecasted. But that means that companies can basically throw all of their bad stuff into this year, have you know a, a terrible decline in earnings, and have a great scapegoat to blame it on. And then come 2021, it's clean slate. And typically, yeah. the earnings um, recovery coming out of a recession is pretty strong. So I think that at some point this year, we'll start to think about next year's earnings. We'll, we'll look up to the other side of this. And, um, and, and that actually looks like a pretty good environment. We've got a, um, yeah. you know, a well, I, I, I can't I can't speak yeah. for you, Savita. I, I've yeah. already started thinking about next year. I just want to be clear. <laughs> 2020 has stunk. In every possible way. And I think everybody out there is probably just thinking, just throw it away. It's March 97th, April 2nd. We've already lived a full year. That aside, have we reached enough pessimism among your clients? We've got all this data that shows that mom and pop, they're still holding on. The retail investor is not generally selling. Do we need that second layer of just, and I don't want to see the markets go down, but you understand what I'm saying, that there's still a buying bias out there. Possibly there's still a buy the dip mentality. Maybe we need to see complete capitulation. I mean, I do think that the encouraging sign in terms of providing a floor for equities is the fact that the Fed seems ready to buy almost anything to keep liquidity in place. And, um, you know, the fact that they're now buying investment grade bonds, I mean, it's unprecedented, but it signals that if the Fed is willing to buy risk assets, that's a, that's a real, that's a, a decent floor under the market. And they, they can buy as much as they want. So I think that that is the, um, you know, we still have this, uh, this uh, moral hazard of a Fed that's willing to do whatever it takes to keep things going. Um, so that's why I think it doesn't get too ugly from here. But to your point, I mean, one of the things we've noticed in our client, in our, our desk data, in our flows data, is that individual investors have been shedding exposure to stocks through ETFs and passive, um, but they have been buying single yeah. stocks. And I think that's an interesting way to play this. I actually agree with what individual investors are doing because I think this really is a stock picker's market. Yeah. You know what? You wonder if it's going to bring back stock picking, Savita, because simply a lot of these ETFs, they may have a couple of good companies in there that are going to make it and a bunch of companies that are not going to make it. So you just kind of avoid the whole thing. The carrot ruins the pot pie, if you will. Savita Supermanian of Bank of America, be safe, be well. We'll talk to you again soon here. Thank you very much. All right, we have got some breaking news on the SBA, the Small Business Administration, and that loan program that is really set to launch tonight. It's a big deal. Wilfred Frost has the breaking news. Well, hey, Brian, yeah, the Paycheck Protection Pro- Program from the SBA, as you said, meant to launch at midnight tonight. 
but Chase, uh, of course, part of JP Morgan, uh, Chase uh, saying uh, they're about to post a statement uh, on their website and email all their small business clients to say, quote, we will most likely not be able to start accepting applications as of Friday, 3rd of April, as of midnight uh, tonight, as they had previously hoped. They say in the statement, quote, financial institutions like ours are still awaiting guidance from the SBA, the Small Business Association, uh, and the uh, U.S. Treasury, uh, though they do go on to say, make no mistake, we will help you, our customer, with getting access to these emergency funds. Uh, uh, source familiar with the matter, saying this is not, we will not be ready ever. This is a, we're not ready to go, uh, most likely tomorrow, but we're doing everything we can. And when we get that guidance from the SBA and from the Treasury, we will be ready as, as soon as that, that arrives. So they're be ready to go Saturday if necessary, Sunday if necessary, uh, but they're just waiting on that guidance. And Brian, as uh, uh, various uh, CNBC colleagues uh, uh, throughout the day and I have been reporting, this has been all parts of this, trying to move heaven and earth to get it possible. And, and J.P. Morgan Chase saying most likely they won't be ready to take the um, or yeah. take uh, applications tonight. And, if, and I wonder... if Chase can't, then we might, might imagine others will follow. You know, I, and I want to, yeah, you, that's exactly where I was going, Wolf. I want to do something a little bit weird, I guess, and that's read you a text that I got from a uh, former colleague of ours, actually, uh, and her parents run a 125-year-old wholesale seafood business saying, we've called four lenders, nobody would commit, the government hasn't given the banks any guidance. So that was today, by the way, and I think that that wholesaler is supposed to be on our show tomorrow night to talk about it. That's an example of a real-world yeah. situation, 125-year-old family-owned company calling the banks. The banks don't seem to have any information or at least don't know what to do with it. Seems like J.P. Morgan Wilfred is not going to be the only one that does what you just reported. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. And uh, the other point, uh, just to bring up, is, is Chase saying, you know, most likely we won't be ready. Uh, so, but they wanted to get something out there because they know how many small business uh, customers, like the one you just mentioned, uh, are waiting uh, on every possible update. And, and if it looks now highly likely they won't be ready, they wanted to release that information so that their customers know that tomorrow, sadly, they won't be able to, uh, to get this money in their hands. In terms of when this process is up and running, uh, all of our reporting suggests that it is go to your existing bank if you have one and make the application uh, online as opposed to, to companies you may not have a relationship with. But we're just not at that point yet. And again, the SBA is, it needs to give the final guidance uh, to the banks, and it sounds like that hasn't arrived yet. And because of that, Chase at least saying most likely they won't be ready to take applications by tomorrow. It is such an important story to tens or hundreds of thousands of small businesses across America right now. I think we're going to have that wholesaler on the show tomorrow night. Wilfred Frost. Breaking news there on J.P. Morgan Chase saying probably not going to be ready. Guys, uh, let's bring us in. And, and Guy, I'll start with you. I mean, listen, you live there in New Jersey. I know where you live. There are so many family-owned businesses up there. It's not just all chains in the part of New Jersey where you are. They have got to get this program going. It's vital to them. It's vital to the economy to make sure the money is in the <clears throat> pockets of these people. It should, you know, it's got to happen yesterday, and it sounds like it's not happening tomorrow, which is problematic. And, you know, when we're talking about weeks here, I'm not certain these places have weeks. And I'm sorry about my dog barking. We just got him back from the seeing eye. But I don't think the, a lot of these places have weeks to spare. So I understand it takes time to get these things through, but sooner is better, obviously. Yeah, and Tim, you are a small business owner, and maybe you don't need help. You're in a unique position. Maybe yeah. you do. I don't know. But, I mean... This is the back. I know we're a stock show. I get it fast money, but this is the backbone of the United States. There's 900,000 restaurants alone in sure. the U.S. Now, it, it's it's painful. It's painful for my business. It's painful for every business on Main Street. Um, I, I think the government is moving as fast as you can expect them to move. Um, I, I'm I'm reasonably encouraged that there's there's a policy in place. There's also uh, some trickle-down effect from knowing that there's policy going into place from landlords, from suppliers. Um, you know, we have suppliers that are able to uh, buy back unopened, and there's a lot more flexibility to have a landlord to, to, to tell you. Um, obviously, we care about you putting your folks back on payroll. Um, you know, if you're a landlord, by the way, you love this policy because it means that, that ultimately uh, your tenant can pay you because they've got the government paying their tenant, their, their, their workers. But, but leaving that aside, 
I'll take the glass half full on this, Brian. I run a small business. It's an awful time. Um, it's unsustainable. It's untenable. It's unsustainable. But but the policy that's going in, into place uh, and the understanding that everyone is going through this is 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 making this uh, unprecedented in terms of both the response and the reaction time, but also the tolerance level to let these businesses get as much rope as they need. Yeah, good stuff. And I promise you this, Tim Seymour, when this thing is over and we can get back together, first round on whoever's oh. in WXOU Radio oh, Bar, first round is on me. On me. I, or, and probably the second and, th- and second and third rounds then will be on me. Tim, thank you. All right. Coming up, to we've got two big corporate stories today, two different directions. I like that. Tesla delivery shocking everybody to the upside. Even Kramer was impressed. That stock soaring. Luckin Coffee out of Luckin'. Reports of fraudulent sales numbers of the Chinese coffee giant, or maybe former coffee giant, sending that stock down 75%. A tale of two stock stories after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Hope you're having a good evening or day or morning, wherever you might be. Thanks very much for joining us. We've got two big stock stories of companies going in way different directions. The first one is Tesla. That stock up big, 17% after hours, deliveries surpassing expectations. The other story, Luckin Coffee, the major chain in China. Some concerns about sales, numbers being fraudulently generated. That stock falling 75% today. LK down 75%. Get to that in a moment. But, Tim, let's start with Tesla. Even Jim Cramer was impressed with those numbers because the first quarter includes March when you had, a, obviously, a lot of coronavirus stuff still going in California. Got to breed a little bit of optimism there on Tesla. Look, I mean, the delivery numbers, um, although the delivery numbers have been, I think, selected for the market to interpret what, what do we want to listen to. There's times where they're behind schedule, ahead of schedule. Um, what's impressive is that the Shanghai plant apparently was running at record production. Um, you know, the last earnings report, they, they kind of guided to, I, I believe, north, well north of 500,000 units. Um, so let's see. I mean, this this number's you know, slightly below that, if you think about it. Um, on a on a sequential basis, annualized. Um, so uh, Tesla's story to me is about balance sheet. Uh, the last couple of quarters they've shown free cash flow. I, I, that's what's elevating the stock. Um, the stock in this environment is a very difficult one to handicap, uh, especially because of the volatility that's inherent in this stock. And if you look at what it's done, it's been more volatile than the market. So it doesn't surprise me uh, that after after hours here, it's up. You know, I don't know, 14, 15 percent. All right, let's go to the other story now. That is Luckin Coffee. Karen Feinerman, you know, there was a short report out, a short sell report out on Friday, I believe it was, or late last week. Some people said, oh, this is an 89-page anonymous report. It's muck. You know, it's just being delivered. And now we're getting reports that the COO and other, I mean, this chief operating officer may have fudged numbers. This is truly an incredible story out of Luckin. Yeah, it is kind of amazing. I mean, if you read the release, they... Uh formed a special committee to investigate. And so far, they found $2.2 billion, I believe, of Remnimbi that uh, is fraudulent, which is an enormous amount. And in these sort of frauds, the first $2.2 billion is never the end. I'm sure that there's more bad stuff to come. Um, and the beneficiary of this today seemed to be Starbucks, um, because if, if their competitor is weakened so badly, Clearly, that, that's more room for Starbucks. I wouldn't touch this stock. I think any fraud like this, the first thing you find, there's not the last, and there'll be more downside. I think it's probably a lot of short covering. And there was also some very unusual option trading um, uh, in puts, $15 puts when the stock was much higher that you know were more than 10 times. Uh, they went up by 10 times what you paid for them. So, yeah. Uh, maybe somebody had a, had a look into this already. 
Yeah, zero to 4,500 stores in two years. I mean, good grief. All right, by the way, guys, everybody sit tight. The White House coronavirus nightly press briefing is going on. They're talking right now about that small business administration program Wilford just talked about. So let's dip in for a moment. As a result of this unprecedented situation, this relief will help stabilize the small business sector by providing businesses with the financial resources they need to keep their workers employed and keep up with their day-to-day operating expenses. Today, I want to ensure that small businesses all over the country know about the Paycheck Protection Program and how they can benefit from this. Simply put, the Paycheck Protection Program is to help keep employees on payroll and small businesses open. SBA will forgive the portion of the loan that is used toward job retention and certain other expenses. We are working closely with lenders so that businesses can go directly to their local lenders. Paycheck Protection Program is in addition to substantial work that the SBA has and will continue to do to help small businesses, including providing advances on SBA disaster loans and forgiving existing SBA loan payments over the next six months. Additional details on these critically important programs can be found at sba.gov, and we will be updating these resources regularly. Our hearts go out to those affected by this terrible virus. Our communities around the country are stepping up, and we will get through this together. At SBA, we know that every phone call, email, or application submitted has a small business owner, their employees, and the communities they support are on the other side. Our most important objective is to allow small businesses to keep their employees on board and keep their businesses viable through this unprecedented disruption. I want to reiterate the importance of patience in this process as we work together to ensure that businesses are able to access needed credit. We will continue working around the clock as we've done with our federal and private sector partners expanding capacity and working to make our systems as robust as possible to meet the needs. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Thank you, Javita. Mr. President, you've made clear to us we now need to execute. We need to get money to small business and American workers, and that's what we're doing. The SBA and Treasury committed to get this program up and running tomorrow. And when Jovita says people working around the clock, they literally, we had both teams working till 4 o'clock in the morning and start working again today. We've heard feedback from lenders, community banks, regional banks, and we spent the last 24 hours making this system even easier. So this will be up and running tomorrow. I encourage all small businesses that have 500 or fewer people Please contact your lenders. Any FDIC institution will be able to do this. Any credit union, existing SBA lenders, and fintech lenders. Uh, You get the money. You'll get it the same day. You use this to pay your workers. Please bring your workers back to work if you've let them go. You have eight weeks plus overhead. This is a very important program. Uh, I'm pleased to announce... uh, We are going to raise the interest rate on these loans. And again, the interest rate is paid for as part of the program. The borrower doesn't have to pay this to 1%. Uh, We had announced it was going to be 50 basis points. We've heard from some smaller community banks that their deposit costs, uh, even though the government's borrowing at three or four basis points, this is on average a 90-day loan to make this attractive for community banks we've agreed to to raise the interest rate. Again, I encourage everybody, take out the Paycheck Protection Program. I'm also pleased to report the economic impact payments. Uh, I had previously said this would take us three weeks. I'm pleased to report that within two weeks, the first payments will be direct deposit into taxpayers' account. And as the president said, last night the president authorized me to say that anybody that has Social Security recipients won't need to file a new tax return, and we'll have that. If we don't have your direct deposit information, we'll be putting up a web portal so that you can put that up. Uh, It is a very large priority. The president has made clear we want to get this money quickly into your hands. I'm also pleased to report that we continue to work closely with the Federal Reserve. 
We're in the process of designing a new facility that we call the Main Street Lending Facility. We're also looking at facilities for state governments as well. And I'm also pleased to report the employee retention credit. It's up and running. The first $10,000 of wages, you get a 50% credit. That's $5,000 per person. For everyone who's kept someone, you can immediately get that money. You can deduct it from what you owe the IRS immediately. If you don't owe us money, you'll get a refundable tax credit. So that is up and running. I'm also pleased to report we have the program up and running. We're taking applications from the airlines, from the cargo companies, and from national security companies. So thank you very much, Mr. President. Thank you, Steve. For Jovina or Steve, any questions, please? Yes. Uh, Mr. Secretary. Chase Bank sent a letter to its business clients today saying that they, they don't have necessary guidance from the SBA, from the Treasury Department, to be able to accept loan applications starting tomorrow. The need is clearly enormous, uh, but at least one major bank says they're not fully empowered yet to be able to help there. Well, as, as I spoke to all the CEOs yesterday, I had a conference call with them. We got very good input from them on what they needed. As I said, people were working till 4 o'clock. I believe we just put up the Federal Register with the new guidelines for lenders. Um, I've been assured that the banks will be in the process starting tomorrow. Now, again, it's going to take a little bit of time, but we committed that this will be available tomorrow, and I encourage all companies, go to SBA.com, go to Treasury.gov. You can see the information you need immediately. Mr. Secretary, I just follow up with the small business owners. A number of them saying that they were on that conference call and that there's a tremendous power struggle going on uh, between the Treasury and, and SBA and that it's over process and forms is what they tell me, and that lenders are actually opting out because they can't make enough money to even service the loans. So how are you going to make sure these small business owners get the capital they need to survive right now? Well, first of all, I can assure you, Jovita's here. Jovita used to work for me as the treasurer. There's no power struggle. Uh, Jovita and our team, as I said, worked together till 4 o'clock in the morning, started working at 7 o'clock again. We've made the form simpler. And uh, I can assure you, at five points, uh, I've told these bankers they should take all their traders and put them in the branches. So it's, there'll never be another opportunity to earn five points on a 90-day government, fully government-guaranteed loan. And those checks right into direct deposit, IRS now saying it could take four to five months. You're saying two weeks. Well, let, me be, us, let me be clear. I don't know where you, let me be clear. I don't know where you're hearing these things. I told you this would be three weeks. I'm now committing to two weeks. We're delivering on our commitments, the IRS, which I oversee. Within two weeks, the first money won't be in people's accounts. Yeah, so my question is not about the first checks. For folks who have direct deposit, it sounds like those will go up pretty quickly. The question is then for folks who don't have direct deposit, and there was a staff sure. memo that was released by the House Ways and Means Committee today saying that that process could take up to five weeks. That takes you to mid-August. Is that how long that, it's going to that, take? That is not going to take months, five. Uh, again, let me just say... When Obama sent out these checks, it took months and months and months. I am assuring the American public they need the money now. What we're going to do is, again, if we have your information, you'll get it in two, in, within two weeks. Social Security, you'll get it very quickly after that. If we don't have your information, you'll have a simple web portal. You'll upload it. If we don't have that, we'll send you checks in the mail. How many checks can you process a week, though? How many checks can you... Again, we can process a lot of checks, but we don't want to send checks. In this environment, we don't want people to get checks. We want to put money directly into their account. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. This is for, I guess, both you and the administrator. Um, there have been some anecdotal reports that uh, business people trying to get uh, access to the online site to submit the applications. The website's been crashing. I've heard of webinars uh, going offline because there are just too many people on them. So how are you guys going to be ready you know, tomorrow to get these loans out? Uh, we've brought in a lot of external resources at SBA and us to make sure there's additional capacity. As I said, we heard a lot of good feedback yesterday to simplify this process. Uh, it's going to be up and running. Now, let me just be clear. That doesn't mean everybody is going to get their loan tomorrow, but the system will be up and running. We encourage people over the next week, sign up. You can go on right now. You can go on the web, see what information you need. Very simple process. Mr. Secretary, on a separate subject, have you been in touch with Leader McConnell and Speaker Pelosi about their differences right now about another stimulus package? Uh, I, I spoke to, I've spoken to the leader. I've spoken to the speaker. Um, I've spoken to the president constantly. Uh, when the president's ready and thinks we should do 
the next stage. We're ready. The president's talked about uh, the issue of infrastructure since the campaign. I think, you know, that's a big priority for him. And uh, again, if we run out of money on the small business program, we'll be back right away to Congress to get this increased. Does the, the unemployment numbers today increase the urgency of doing a phase four? Well, let, let me just say, you know, we're going through something that we've never done before, where the government has shut down big parts of the economy because of health reasons. Our economy was in great shape. Our companies were in great shape. There are three ways that Americans are going to be protected. For small business, they'll get paid by their business through this program. Uh, the direct deposit. There's also enhanced unemployment. So we realize, unfortunately, there are a lot of companies that, because they aren't in business over a short period of time, again, we're working with the states on enhanced unemployment. And as soon as the medical professionals uh, and the president give the, the all clear, uh, we're, we're going to have a ton of liquidity. We have about $6 trillion. This has never been done between us and the Fed to put into the economy to support American workers and American business. Secretary, in addition to the jobless numbers we saw today, phase three was signed before the social distancing guidelines were extended for another month. So what additional relief are you going to give to Americans as they stay out of work for all these extra weeks? I mean, what are you waiting for? Well, we, we in the, designing this program, we thought that we had liquidity for about 10 weeks, and, and that's what we've designed. And again, I think the president's been very clear. If we need to go back to Congress to support the American economy and American workers, we will be doing that. Uh, Mr. Secretary. Secretary Mnuchin, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has formed a select committee to oversee the distribution of recovery funds, and she says she wants to make sure that those funds are wisely and efficiently spent. Do you think that select committee is something that's necessary? I, I don't. I mean, you know, the uh, both, both parties wanted us to have oversight, wanted us to have transparency. We have full transparency. We have an oversight committee that uh, the speaker gets to pick someone, the leader gets to pick someone. I believe there's five people on it. And, uh, again, that, that committee will review the money that we're spending. And, again, we support full transparency. Taxpayers should understand how we're going to support this economy and jobs. Mr. Secretary, uh, the Sec Senator Murkowski has asked you to consider uh, providing loans to energy companies under the CARES Act, the Phase Three bill. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Would you consider providing those loans to energy companies? So th thank you, and let me clarify. I have very limited ability to do direct loans out of the Treasury. I can do them for passenger airlines, cargo airlines, contractors, and national security companies. Outside of that, we work with the Federal Reserve to create broad-based lending facilities, which we will do. So our expectation is the energy companies, like all our other companies, will be able to participate in broad-based facilities, whether it's the corporate facility or whether it's the Main Street facility, but not direct lending out of the Treasury. A question for clarity about the direct payments to Americans. For those folks who don't have bank accounts, who don't have direct deposit information on file with the IRS, how long would they have to wait uh, for their check? Well, for people who don't have direct deposit, again, we'll have an easy way they put it up. We can, on a rolling basis, I think, you know, within a couple of days when they give it to us, we'll send the money out. We do realize there are people who are underbanked. Um, and, again, we're working with all the digital companies, prepaid debit cards. We're working with all of them to make sure we have a process that every American gets their money quickly. This money does people no good if it shows up in four months, and we will deliver on that promise. So quickly is a matter of weeks, then, perhaps, not months. Quickly is a matter of weeks and not months. That's correct. Mr. Secretary, one area where you can make direct loans is to the airlines. How much do you expect that the Treasury Department and the federal government will be involved in overseeing the operations of airlines as it pertains to which routes get cut back, how much they operate, what they do about their employees, and the like? So there, there are very strict requirements that's built into the bill. Again, this was a bipartisan requirement. One, anything we do with the airlines, they have to maintain substantially all of their employees. So, again, any money that we provide them will go to pay their employees. We're going to be working with the Secretary of Transportation. There are requirements to maintain 
certain routes. So again, we have a very clear process. We've hired three outside advisors. We'll be financial advisors and three law firms. We'll be releasing that information shortly. And uh, I want to thank them. They're all working for basically very, very little money. They couldn't work for free, so they've agreed to basically work for what they would sign up to work for charitable organizations. So again, no big fees to bankers. We've got a great team of three lawyers and three financial advisors that will assist us. Mr. President, just to follow up on that, will you give us a list of the names of those people who are advising you when you release the information? Of, of course we will. We'll give you the names as, as well as the, the contracts. So again, names right now other than BlackRock? So, uh, again, I'm happy to announce it. Uh, we have PJ, the PJT Partners, okay, is going to do the passenger airlines. Mollis and Company is going to do the cargo and contractors, and Perella Weinberg will handle the national security. And there'll be three law firms, which we'll announce shortly, that will be working in each one of those sectors. And again, let me just be clear. We need to get this done quickly. The airlines need money. We're going to work very closely with the Department of Transportation and get this done quickly. We've actually already received contracts from a lot of the people. Uh, again, there's guidance up on the web. Full transparency, we've asked for applications. Secretary, Secretary. Um, on the airline issue again, uh, you know, Speaker Pelosi and others have said that the government taking stakes in those airlines should not be a condition uh, for the federal government to provide payroll support specifically. Um, what's your response to that? I, I spoke to the Speaker last night about that. Um, this was something that was highly negotiated between the Republicans and the Democrats. The president was personally involved in this. He was on the phone with us many times, Mitch McConnell, Mark Meadows, senators on both sides. There is a specific line in the bill that says that the secretary, meaning me, will determine proper compensation. So this is not a bailout for the airlines. And I will be working, once we get our advice from our financial advisors, we get the applications from the airlines, I'll be working very closely with the president. And we'll make sure that we strike the right balance, not a bailout. Taxpayers get compensated. But the, these airlines, these are national security issues. We want to keep our airlines intact. Mr. Secretary, just more broadly, for, perhaps for the administrator, if not for you as well, some small businesses, restaurant owners, owners, for example, are finding that laying off their employees so that they can start collecting unemployment is better both for them as business owners and for their workers. What incentives do they have right now to keep their employees on the payroll if no one's coming into their restaurants? Well, the incentive that you have, and, and we want American business to be kept intact, the incentive is these are loans that turn into grants. So if you're a business owner and you're a restaurant, you can hire your people back. You get money for their, their medical. You keep them on the medical plan. You get money for your rent. You get money for your electricity. So you're motivated. We want you to have a business that you can reopen quickly when it's appropriate. So this doesn't cost the business owners anything. You know, when people talk about I, I can't imagine any American worker who had a job, is offered to keep their job, isn't going to want to have it. And, and let me just be clear. We've also talked about this unemployment issue. You can only get unemployment if you don't have a job. So unemployment is intended for those people that are some of the midsize or larger businesses, and we're very sympathetic to this, that these companies can't afford. And for those people, the enhanced unemployment will be a significant benefit. But we want to make sure 50 percent of the American workforce is small businesses under 500 people. The president, the vice president, the administrator, and I want to make sure this part of the economy is ready and intact when we're ready to reopen. Question for the administrator, if I may. Is there a certain category of small businesses that you're most concerned about? Restaurants, air salons, things like that? That's a great question. We're concerned about every small business. There's 30 million small businesses that we're really focused on, and we're working feverishly to make sure that we can provide the available funds to them as quickly as possible. So it's 30 million small businesses, and the other businesses are being dealt with with the PPP, with the uh, Paycheck Protection. There was also the disaster, um, what we call it the injury uh, or economic injury disaster loan. And then there was an advance uh, uh, associated with that particular program as well. So to answer your question, we're concerned about all businesses. And as the Secretary indicated, we're looking at employees being ready, not lost in this process. We're wa we want businesses to stay intact. 
because they represent half the half the GDP. So if we spend a trillion to support 10 trillion or 11 trillion, I think that's a, a significant investment, and that's what we're focused on. Is there a certain segment that you think is particularly vulnerable? Hang on, I just want to make one comment for explanation because I want to make sure everybody out there understands this. If you're an independent contractor, if you're a sole proprietor, you're eligible for this as well. Now, that program won't be up and running until next week. But again, this is a very broad definition of small business. So if you're an independent plumber, if you're an independent contractor, you're covered under this program. Slightly more complicated. You have to come into your bank and give them more information. But starting next week, that part of the program will be up and running. Also, charities. Charities as well. Very important. The vice president and president make sure that we covered small charities in this. Does that include churches and religious nonprofits? Um, it, it, it does, although there are some technical issues. But yes, it, it does include faith organizations. Is that under the that's under the SBA program? This is under the the PPP. Yes, the new SBA program. They they are covered. Okay. Thank right. you all. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Julia. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that begins right away, and uh, they start handing out checks and. A lot of people are going to have their businesses built back up quickly, I hope. And we'll see. Complicated, big, small business is actually big business. So I thank them both. And uh, please, good. We have some great gentlemen. Let me see. Great gentlemen. That's correct. Uh, thank you very much. Today, my administration is also issuing new guidelines to protect elderly Americans who remain the most vulnerable. By now, nursing homes should have suspended the entry of all medically unnecessary personnel. Today, we're further... Okay, we're going to step away because the business part of the White House press briefing does seem to be finished there. Some major headlines crossing from Treasury Secretary Mnuchin. Two things really that stick out. They're going to raise interest rates on these loans, I guess, to please some banks. And also, if you are a sole proprietor, you are just a business of one, like so many are, this program will work for you. It won't be rolled out until next week. You're going to have to physically go into a bank. But Treasury Secretary Mnuchin saying, yes, this program will. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Work for you. All right, let's get more details now. Wilford Frost obviously monitoring it as well, and I believe you have some other news on this too. Wilf. Right, Brian. So we broke like 40 minutes ago that J.P. Morgan Chase uh, most likely will not be ready to accept applications uh, tomorrow. As you just said, the Treasury Secretary made some fresh announcements and alterations to the PPP plan just there, including increasing interest rates from 0.5 to 1%. But I can confirm that that had never been a concern of Chase's. That alone won't change uh, their decision uh, on this, their readiness for this. Their concern has always been that they haven't had the broad guidelines from the SBA in time to be ready for tomorrow. And under that same issue, uh, I can confirm that one of the other top four lenders in the nation uh, who I spoke to about 20 minutes ago is also in the same position. Without those guidelines, they are also not ready uh, to go by uh, tomorrow, though they had a slightly more optimistic tone to it, saying if the guidelines came in, they could be ready within a couple of hours uh, after that. But again, not something that we got there from Secretary Mnuchin in that press conference. One other point that really stood out to me uh, during the press conference, Brian, was that uh, the Treasury Secretary made clear that if they need more, more than the initial $350 billion that's been allocated to this, they will get back in front of Congress and ask for it. Now, that is particularly important 
if tomorrow this does go live with only some banks being ready and others not because you need to apply as a small business to your existing uh, bank to get one of these loans if you want to get it quickly. If all of that $350 billion got drawn down very quickly before certain banks were up and running, then some small business uh, customers may be excluded by virtue of just simply who they bank with. Uh, so important there to hear the Treasury Secretary say that they can extend or they will seek to extend the size of this program if uh, necessary. He was clearly very optimistic. He said it was going to be up and running. I'll just flag as well. He said, I spoke to the CEOs last night and they said they're doing everything they can. But we know as of 40 minutes ago, fresher than last night, that Chase uh, saying they most likely won't be ready. Brian. Yep. Makes it all the harder when a lot of people are working remotely, as we are, Wilfred. I mean, it makes it even more difficult, but businesses need that, Wilfred Frost. Thank you very much. All right, let's bring back in our trader panel here. And Steve Grasso, I want to begin with you because the airlines are moving higher after hours. Treasury Secretary saying this is not a bailout. You got to keep your routes. You got to keep most of your employees. And if you don't, though, this might not be for you. Were you happy with what you heard vis-a-vis -vis the airlines and the airline stocks? So I, I was happy with it because I think these are going to be unprecedented times, as we all know, we've all talked about it, and unprecedented measures that, that the government is going to throw at this. So they have to go out there and they have to say uh, there's strings attached. What does that really mean? doesn't mean they're going to let them fail. So today, the airlines did not act well. We saw the hotel stocks. They did not act well. It sounds like if you ask, this administration is going to give. I would be a buyer of Delta. It's too early to be buying these stocks now. You have to wait for a real confirmed rally. But I think ultimately, go to where the strongest hands were in the airline industry before this whole thing started. And by the way, Brian, did you hear the numbers he's throwing around? Back at the top of the show, that's why gold will continue to move higher and make new highs. But airlines, you're safe. Not now when the smoke starts to clear. Yeah, I mean, there, and nobody I, I've talked to thinks the $350 billion for small business is going to be enough. Let's hope that it is. That aside, all right, Guy Adami, I mean, these airlines, we had uh, an airline analyst on uh, last night or a couple nights ago, the days were running into each other, <laughs> Hunter K, who said he thought these airlines would take the money, they would, whatever, and, but they're still going to need more down the line. Are the airlines investable at all right now? In my eyes, I don't know how you can. I mean, I, what is the airline industry going to look like six months from now? Are, you know, are people be clamoring to sit in middle seats? Will there be middle seats? So it's very hard to answer that question, and I'm just being honest. But quickly, and I, I want to just dovetail on what Steve said because he's 100 percent right. You know, one of the things that I heard Mr. Mnuchin say is we have $6 trillion uh, that we could at our disposal. Uh, no, he doesn't. I mean, they can make it up. They can create it out of thin air. But they don't have that at their disposal. So you started the show with asking why gold's going higher. That's exactly why gold's going higher. Yeah. All right, Guy and Steve, thank you very much. Tim and Karen, we'll get to you in just a moment. We're going to bring in a special guest right now. And, and that is Senator Kevin Kramer, Republican from North Dakota, who joins us by phone on route literally to the White House for tomorrow's oil meeting, which I believe, Senator, you did help broker. So thank you very much for taking some time. First and foremost, I want to ask about protocol. Are you OK physically going? Are you being or have you been tested for COVID-19? Obviously, as I understand, the executives of these oil companies either are or will be. That's my hope as well, that I can be before the, the meeting tomorrow. But I will tell you, I have had zero symptoms and frankly, have well, I haven't completely self-quarantined since getting back from Washington to North Dakota. I've been pretty well locked in to my own space uh, doing, uh, doing a lot of this, actually, and a lot of conference calls, a lot of meetings. So I feel very good, and we're going to take every precaution. Okay, well, when I, when I put the news on CNBC yesterday, the seven CEOs that were going and what was likely to be discussed, everybody started screaming bailout. The energy companies are very keen to tell us, the media and others, this is not a bailout. Is this a bailout of U.S. oil and gas? Not at all. There's no one asking for one. I'm not suggesting one. My main interest is, is policy. It centers around Saudi Arabia's behavior, and particularly, of course, in, especially in conjunction with um, Russia, but the oversupply of, a, of an already glutted market at a time when demand is down, it was just the wrong 
wrong move for lots of reasons, but especially at a time like this, because it's my sense that they're taking advantage of this coronavirus situation and the, and the drop in demand to try and put the American shale business out of business. And, of course, in North Dakota, we take that pretty personally. Sure, absolutely do. I've been up to Williston a number of times. I've met a lot of good people in the business. But, you know, some people, Senator, uh, will push back and they'll say, well, you know, the industry simply grew too fast, took on too much debt, and overproduced. What do you think about that? Well, you know, we have a lot of agriculture in North Dakota, and sometimes the same is said of them. But I would, I would say this, that in the, in the normal course of business, I would agree. But when we're hit with a, with a virus like this, a pandemic that's global, and, and demand was down nearly 25% at the time that Russia and Saudi Arabia decided to, instead of cut production, increase production by about that same percentage, um, it, to me it looks like anti-dumping. To me it looks like collusion. Uh, it looks like a, a direct attack on the shale industry, trying to put the United States out of business. They've tried this before. We were able to outproduce them. Uh, they hopefully had learned their lesson, but now in this time of pandemic, it just it really doesn't look good at all. And and not, it's also running out of time. And I've been pretty you know open about this. This is a time when the United States of America has tw- at least 2,500 servicemen in Saudi Arabia. We have several uh, missile defense batteries defending the oil assets of their country. We've stood with them in the war in Yemen. Uh, we've defended their assets. At, now at a time when they were just attacked a few few days ago. In fact, I talked mm-hmm. to their ambassador today about it. But for our defense systems there, they, those, those missiles might have struck Riyadh. Instead, they were stopped. Um, this isn't how friends treat friends. So my hope tomorrow is, for, frankly, what I'd like to see the president do is make an appeal, not necessarily a policy, but an appeal to the, especially yeah. the multinationals and the refiners that they use U.S. crude during this emergency and uh, and show some some corporate patriotism in that way. You, you have, Senator, the power of the U.S. Senate behind you. If the idea of quotas, production quotas, divvied mm-hmm. up by company, public and private, is brought up, would you support the idea of artificially limiting company output? Well, uh, that, that I would have to be convinced of, Brian. I don't mind telling you. I, I would just assume... You know, I like to see a market work, but I don't like to see it manipulated the way it's being manipulated uh, by our friends and our adversaries. I don't know that I'd want to do that in the United States. We'll have to see. I'd prefer some sort of a voluntary action by the refiners. You know, we re- we currently export about the same amount of oil as we import. If we if we cut off imports for a while, at least during the emergency, and and retooled our refineries to the degree they need retooling to take U.S. crude. I think we could keep our mm-hmm. industry afloat. Um, I think that would be a, a reasonable emergency response at a time like this. Senator Kevin Kramer, we're going to let you go. We know you're on route to Washington. Be safe first and foremost. Come back in and check in and let us know what went down at that meeting tomorrow. Senator, thank you very mm-hmm. much, sir. Thanks for the opportunity. As always. All right, Tim Seymour. Oh, sure. Thank you, sir. Tim Seymour, obviously a huge move for oil, big move for some of these oil stocks. I mean, cold comfort, big move off a tiny base here. Based on what you heard, would you change your views on oil and gas at all? Well, I I don't think you you should be changing anything in terms of understanding the supply-demand fundamentals, even in the short to medium term. Getting a deal um, is is about changing sentiment in the sector and obviously then changing supply fundamentals. Um, and, and I think there, there has to be one. And I, I love the fact that the senator referenced uh, all that we are doing in that part of the world. And, and, and at some point, you know, enough's enough. So I, I think, you know, like the, the 48 percent uh, trough to peak intraday move on on Brent or crude or whatever you, I'm, you know, I tend to follow Brent. Mm-hmm. Um, extraordinary um, tells you where positioning is right now. Uh, you don't have to chase oil here, but I, I think the bottom is in for this cycle. All right, let's start to wrap it up here. Karen Fireman, your theme in the markets for tomorrow, looking out next week, next month, what's key to you? Key to me is the credit markets. I want to see them continue to function, and uh, there's a little firmness today. We've seen some. But to me, credit will drive the equity markets, and then, of course, any news on coronavirus and any hint of flattening the curve. Yeah, and uh, Steve Grasso, about 30 seconds to you. What are you watching for? 
Yeah, so you have to see Corona's leading the market, but getting back to oil, what's 10 times more important than the cut is when demand comes back on, and that's going to be dovetailed with where Corona cases are. So you have to watch Corona. Corona's leading it. Oil secondary. Amazing guy, Dami. Six million plus Americans file for unemployment benefits. We barely brought it up. Do you care about that jobs number tomorrow morning? Of course I do, because it's real people. They're not just numbers. So do I care about it? I absolutely do, Brian. That's why I care. Yep. Every one of those numbers is an actual person, a family guy. Everybody, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us here on CBC's Fast Money. We'll see you tomorrow night. Mad with Jim starts right now. Take care. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.